Welcome to your Calm Parenting Toolbox, the podcast for parents who want to get the most out of their kids and themselves. Here's your host, parenting coach, Heather Lindsay. Okay, so hi mums and welcome to this week's special episode of the Calm Parenting Toolbox. My name is Heather Lindsay and I am the parenting coach here at Blissed Out Mums, bringing you this podcast to make parenting that little bit easier. And this week I have a special guest for you and that is Victoria Vanstone, uh, who lives here in Australia up in Queensland and who runs the website and has written an amazing blog and book called Drunk Mummy, Sober Mummy. So Victoria, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, that's wonderful. So um, I guess because there are lots of mums who um, are listening who maybe have not heard about you, um, how about a little bit of an introduction uh, about you, your parenting journey and why you started Drunk Mummy, Sober Mummy? So I was a mum that was kind of leaning too heavily on the wines um, to deal with the mundaneity of motherhood, if you like. I had always been a big drinker throughout my life, what you'd call a binge drinker, I suppose, a bit of a party girl. I was always the one, you know, being dragged off the dance floor. You know, I was a, always the one up, up at the bar, filling up everybody's drinks and having fun. Um, but my drinking problem was quite clever in a way that it got absorbed into the crowd somewhat. Everybody around me were all big drinkers. So my, my drinking never got, um, I never got pointed out. I never got questioned about my drinking. So it carried on throughout my life, throughout my sort of hedonistic 20s and 30s, until I had children at the age of 34. I had my first child. Um, as soon as I got pregnant, I was actually... I was actually hung over, I think, when I did my pregnancy test, which, which I think is quite a common thing, believe it or not. So I, I did a pregnancy test and it came back positive, which was a bit of a shock at the time mm. as I was about to get married and I hadn't really been planning to be pregnant. And I, from that day on, I, I was obviously sober from that day. I had a nine month window of sobriety and I quite enjoyed it. I quite liked who I was without alcohol. I had, I made good connections. I remembered nights out. And for the first time in my life, after all this party had been going on, I got to know myself a little bit and I quite liked myself without alcohol. But then I had the baby and you know how things go. I was actually a little bit bored by motherhood. I'm being totally honest with you. I I didn't realize I would be stuck at home so much. I didn't realize the baby was going to cry. I didn't know there'd be so much poo and vomit and nappies. And it was quite full on. And from being this crazy, crazy partier, I found the whole thing quite challenging. Mm. So obviously my go-to, which had been throughout my life, was to get on the wines, um, go out on mother's nights out, mother's groups. And, and the, the length between my drinking was longer because I probably wouldn't go out during the week. I'd wait till the weekends, you know, and mm. do all that. But that sort of accentuated my drinking because I got so excited about the, the time when I could go out and let loose and be myself again that actually the drinking sort of got worse. It, it was not as as frequent but actually it got worse um and with that along came a lot of guilt as us mothers know that's our favorite thing <laughs> so all of a sudden my drinking had a consequence yeah. which was my children 
Um, and I tried to carry on drinking. I tried to still carry on my lifestyle with a baby crying in the room, be on my hangover. And I started to realize that Heather, those two lives weren't compatible. I started to miss out on things. I used to have to listen to my husband getting them ready. I had another child, four years of questioning my alcohol and, and still carrying on and feeling like a bad mom and being all emotional about my drinking. But yet I had no other way of of knowing who I was or another way of relaxing or letting loose. So yeah, I had to listen to my husband taking the children to the park on a Sunday. I had to listen to the door slam as they went out to enjoy a day. And I was stuck at home with a packet of Panadol and a bucket by the bed. And that guilt just got worse and worse and worse until a point where it came where I had to do something about it. Okay. So what, when that point came, what did you do about it? It was very undramatic, to be honest. You'd imagine me, you know, being in a gutter with a bottle of Jack Daniels or it just wasn't that sort of extreme drinking. So there was none of that. There was no me going into rehab or anything like that. It was just me realizing that that I'd had that I perhaps had a bit of a problem. I mean, my rock bottom was that I just bloody well had enough. (laughs) I think it's as simple as that. I mean, there was probably a lot of wake up calls that I chose to ignore um a lot of incidences I mean I was drunk done for drunk driving when I was 18 which I'm terribly not proud of um lots of injuries lots of promiscuity in my 20s all of these things I was it was alcohol was so ingrained in me I never considered you know I never considered stopping so I just plodded into the lounge with my husband sitting with the children in high chairs feeding them spaghetti bolognese and I just, you know, I remember being in my dressing gown, looking all all kind of dusty and hung over and just saying to him, look, I, I can't do this anymore. I actually think I need help. Awesome. So what help did you get? I, obviously, was hus- your husband on board with all of that decision making? Well, he was the one, he was the only person really that had to witness the come down. So he was the one, you know, emptying the sick bucket or I think I remember once him hosing me down in the shower after a particular disastrous red wine tequila combination. I know I laugh about it, but but, but I was probably out of control. I think that was part of the problem was that I, I kind of laughed off my drinking where it was kind of funny for everybody else. But in the, in the end, it wasn't really funny in the end. I think he, he was the one that had to witness the downfall of my drinking on the weekends. So he was very much on board and just, you know, if I, he was the one, I I really don't think I could have done it without him because he just, he didn't batter an eyelid and just promised that he would support me in whatever I wanted to do. Mm. Oh, well, that's wonderful. How old were your kids at this stage when you, when you finally made that decision to stop drinking? So I started questioning my drinking when I had my first child. Then four years later, I had my daughter Nell. Um, So so this, I had two children or aged, um, the, the baby was six weeks when I walked into my husband and said I wanted to quit. So I had a, a four-year-old and a six-week-old baby. Yeah. And um, I mean, the six-week-old um, child wouldn't have noticed anything, but do you think your four-year-old was, you know, paying attention to how you were or had she um, ever said anything or picked up on any cues, do you think? I think perhaps, you know, they're so little at that age. I think perhaps he noticed that I wasn't there. And really that's what my drinking came down to. That's why I've realized I had to quit was, was that if I'm not there, my, my children 
aren't feeling my love for them. Um, and that was, I think that was where the guilt and anxiety started to soak into my bones was because I was missing out on Sundays. I was not being part of my family. And that was the result of alcohol. And, and if I was to really look deeper into it, the result of that was that my children weren't feeling my love. And that was huge for me. Yeah. So it, it, it came from sort of inside primarily. You were like, I didn't want to, I don't want to be this type of mom. I want to be present. I want to be connecting, but this alcohol is getting in my way of doing, you know, and being the type of mom that I want to be. Absolutely. And for my husband too, I didn't want to be a hungover mum. I thought I could be this kind of rock star mum that I wasn't going to let this baby take over my life. And I was still going to be this independent traveling girl. I remember even saying to my husband when I first had children was that I was going to occasionally go off traveling (laughs) on my own because I still wanted to be this kind of free spirit. But yeah, the reality of the situation, obviously, when you have kids is very, very different and, and things have to change. I mean, you have to make these huge compromises for your children. And I think I was a bit naive to all of that when I got pregnant originally. I thought I was going to stuff the baby in a backpack and go off around India for a year or something. We all come into it with <laughs> rose-coloured glasses, otherwise yes. no one would ever do it. Exactly. Yeah, so no, it was a long time coming for me and me trying to combine those two lifestyles went on for far, far too long. But it's very hard when, you know, you've grown up in a party family and and drinking has been the only way you've known of how to relax. So obviously it's going to be the thing you turn on as a mother because you want to wind down at the end of a stressful day. The kids have been crying. You've been annoyed. You've got so much to do. At the end of the day, you need an answer to all of this. You need a, a sort of reprieve. And and for many mums around the world, I think wine is is that sort of that sort of reprieve. And and I, I don't know whether that's a good thing. I, I I don't think that's a good thing actually. There are both people in both sides of it, but that wine culture is kind of ingrained in popular motherhood. Um, I mean, you, you've come from a, you know, a party background, but there might be mums who didn't come from a party background, but because of the enormous stress that we find ourselves in when we're thrown into this motherhood journey, we can then end up drinking more than we ever thought we ever would. So what do you use now that um, you're not drinking to deal with that stress at the end of the day? Oh gosh, it, it has taken me a while to, to learn what works I mean, I do feel stress and I'm not saying that once you get sober, you suddenly don't fancy a wine. I do. I do fancy a wine occasionally. I just know that one isn't enough and two is too many. So I know that I'm the one who's, you know, getting the shots in before anybody else. I just know my behavior. I'm so predictable in in that area. I've done it for so many years that I know where those nights go. And it's usually me with my head in the toilet and then vomiting at a on a you know on a taxi rank or something. Like it's not it's not a, a question for me anymore. So finding different ways to entertain myself mm. is very hard. So I took up pottery, I do boxing, I do a bit more sport. I mean, you generally get more healthy. So your mind becomes healthier. Therefore, when you're sober, 
you're more active, you're more creative, and there's so many benefits to it, but it does take a long time to learn what works. And of course, I do enjoy a nice alcohol-free beer sometimes. If I'm out, that's, that makes me look more you know, like one of the crowd so I don't get questioned too much because sometimes you don't want to say I don't drink. I mean, I used to hate sober people because <laughs> they were too confronting for me because I was so drunk. I probably found them a little bit. They could probably remember what I was doing, so I didn't like hanging around with them too much. I didn't want any reports the next day as to me rolling around on some dance floor or something so I didn't like being around sober people and I guess some people don't now and I'm one of them so you know it is hard sometimes to be out at at a dinner or you know at at a bar or anything and be the one with the with the soda water but I'm starting to be more proud of my sobriety and proud of my changes and and that's a big mental change for me too and that definitely helps is to to stop in those situations and give myself a little pat of the back and say you're doing a good job. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's an amazing thing to do and such an important thing for us to look at, you know, whether our drinking is being a positive thing in our lives or a negative thing. And it has reached that negative um, stage for you where you'd had enough and you made that choice rather than it being forced upon you. And I think that's something that's really important is that uh, when you do quit drinking um, or even just reduce the amount you're drinking, that the choice has to come within you. Otherwise, you know, success only lasts for such a short period of time. Yeah, that is so true, especially for me. I, I actually chose to have therapy. I didn't go to AA, which I highly recommend for anyone who's drinking because mm-hmm. that does work too. But I chose therapy. And the one thing I learned in my therapy session, I was kind of a bit of a blamer. I was saying it was because of my culture, because of mummy wine culture, because of, mm-hmm. you know, my background or my my family. I had all of these blame, all of this blame, like shooting out in every direction. And actually, when I really looked at the situation it was always my hand reaching out for a top up it was always my hand reaching into the fridge for a glass of wine it was me it was always down to me and it took a lot of time for me to understand that I could have sat there and blamed the whole world forever and ever and that's never going to help it was actually down to me and making a choice for me and my children and making a good choice that was going to end in a in a healthier situation for everybody yeah and it sounds like it has how's it been with your friends who are also mums are they um drinking or um are they all sober mummies that you hang out with how's it been like have any of them felt oh well if you're drinking you know are you judging or you're not drinking so are you judging me for drinking has that caused any tensions and stuff like that I mean, I'm sure that goes on. Um, I'm sure people are aware of their own drinking when I'm around, which I hate because, I, you know, I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable about what they're doing. You know, I'm not there with a big banner going, yeah, no alcohol. <laughs> I just sort of quietly sat in the corner. But I, I, the most surprising thing about my sober journey is that the support I've had has just been incredible. And also I think it's quite intriguing for people. People are intrigued. I think everybody sort of secretly is a sober curious person. I think there's days where people question their sobriety, especially on a Sunday morning. Um, I just think it's intriguing for people, sometimes probably a little bit too confronting, 
because they know that their drinking perhaps isn't healthy anymore. But generally, I've had nothing but huge support. I mean, I get emails from all over the world to say, you know, the blog's helping them and they really resonate with me. And actually, I did feel a little bit bit lonely in my sobriety for a while so I started a sober social group up here on the sunny coast and that's really nice to go and hang out every now and again with with women who are dealing with the same problems yeah so what would you say to a mum who's listening to this podcast you know probably stressed running between kids pickups or having it in the background and thinking oh I can't wait for my glass of wine this afternoon and she perhaps herself is sober um, curious. What would you say to her about thinking about her drinking? I think really it comes down to the message. I mean, as mums, we, we love our children more than anything else in the whole world. And I don't want my children to, to have to go through what I've been through, have to make this huge, what feels like a massive change in my life. I'd like them to grow up in a world where, where drinking culture it doesn't have that same sort of pressure um, when you're socializing. So I think if the more people can give a better message to our kids, then I think that's a really good reason to stop drinking. I mean, that, that in itself is enough. Um, I think if you're questioning your alcohol as well, I think it's a good idea to maybe consider trying like dry July or just say, right, I'm going to get sober for a year and experience the benefits that sobriety can bring. I mean, the clearer head, the more functional parenting. I'm, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm far from a perfect parent, but sobriety means that I'm available. And then that's what those mums should think. Are you available? And are your kids feeling a lack of of love from you when you're hungover and for me that was my reasoning and that was enough yeah what to the mum who doesn't get hungover who doesn't go to you know too far um and she's like well I only have a couple of glasses of wine but it still ends up being every single night of the week um and then maybe a couple of more on um the weekend what would you say to her that she's like well I'm doing just fine I think perhaps that there's definitely two types of people. There's like the binger and the person that can have one glass of wine. But I think those wines add up to the same amount. If you're having two a night and then probably having a few too many at the weekend, I would say that if your drinking is affecting your life in, in a negative way, and perhaps you might even say something stupid to a friend or forget a conversation or just even if you're feeling really groggy at work the next day, I think trying sobriety would be an option for one of those people as well, because having to rely on a, a, a substance, a, a toxic substance, really, at the end of the day, to get you through isn't healthy. Um, and I think as humans, we, we're lucky to, to, to be alive and we're lucky to, to experience life um, with for me, I, I'm enjoying experiencing life without alcohol. It, it, it does seem a bit strange now that I used to have to throw booze down my throat to have a good time. But I think a lot of it is about learning who you are and accepting yourself yeah. and then being authentic. I do think that's very hard socially for a lot of people. So they pour wines down their neck and, and they think they're relaxed and being fun. But for me, I had to redefine the word fun. Yeah. I'm fun in other ways. I'm fun. I can be there for you. I can have a good day with you, but perhaps I might go home in the evening. I'm still a good friend. I'm still honest and I'm still, you know, I'm still 
I'm still fun, yeah. but actually I just don't choose to get slurry and wake up, you know, feeling, feeling rough. And that's the choice that I've made. And that's perhaps not the choice that, that would suit everybody because some people might find that very confronting and very boring, but I know that it's better for me mm. for sure. That's great. And it sounds like it's probably better for your children in your view of how you want to be as a mum. You know, you're available, but you're still fun. You get up the next morning and not be wanting to, you know, shut them up because you're so hungover. And absolutely, absolutely. I think, I think what will resonate the most, which is something I'm still kind of discovering, is that I'm happy with myself. And as I think the saying goes, like, happy mum, happy life or something, yeah. you know, because I... I feel happier in my heart. And I think that my children, no matter if they don't know anything about my drinking, that is going to be my kind of legacy to them is that their mum was happy. And when I was drinking, I, I didn't look happy. I just looked like a dribbling old mess. You know, like you said, you know, the kids are pretty perceptive. They do pick up these things. And, you know, we talk about role modeling, good behavior, and, you know, you're talking about role modeling, good drinking habits or sobriety and all of that stuff, but actually being happy within yourself and proud of the person you are is a wonderful thing to role model to your kids so that they have that same belief within themselves. They grow up and, you know, can you imagine a generation of teenagers who are happy with themselves? I mean, um, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Yeah, the world would change within a generation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that is the chance that you're, I, I really truly feel that that is a chance you're giving your your child that they don't have to succumb to the pressure of society. You can lead by example and be go, actually, you don't need to do that to have fun. You can be the one on the outside that's looking in on the chaos. And that's an all right place to be because they'll be much more level headed, you know, to be the one that's not passed out, you know, on the beach by the campfire and acting all like a crazy lunatic and to just be a little bit calmer. I mean, I wish I... I could have been a bit calmer I, and I wish I could have remembered more to be honest about my about my youth I'm yeah. sure I had fun but like I wish I could have been more a bit more together to be honest yeah. <laughs> so tell me about drunk mummy sober mummy your blog and the book that you've written so I started writing pretty much the day that I gave up drinking. I decided to write a kind of journal of, of how I was feeling and what was going on and, and the therapy that I was having. And I actually wrote a book. It just developed into a book. It's called A Thousand Wasted Sundays. And it's with a publisher at the moment. So I'm hoping to get that published. But you never know with these things. It's quite, it's quite a slog. And they want me to have 10,000 followers on my Instagram first, which is at drunk mummy, sober mummy. So I'll give yeah. that a little plug. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, it's kind of, they want the whole package nowadays. You don't just write a book and then hand it over. So, so yeah, I wrote the book and then last about a year ago, um, I started writing my blog. Um, and now that's turned into a website where anybody that is sober curious can go and get information from. There's all these podcasts on there and links to Quitlit. So one thing that's really helpful in sobriety is, is reading some, some books about it. I find that really fascinating. And um, there's lists of of best ways to get through Christmas and all your alcohol-free drinks. It's just all about alcohol-free living and the benefits of it and, and how you can do it and who to reach out to too, which is, which is massively important, I think. I don't think this is something you can just go, right, I'm going to give up drinking because I tried that for years and it doesn't work. You have to get professional help. Even if you think your drinking isn't, 
isn't too extreme, it's still going to be so ingrained that you won't be able to stop on your own. I can assure you of that. So, so definitely try and, and get in contact with somebody and give yourself the gift of therapy because, because if you feel better, then everybody around you is going to feel better too. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to have to um, reach that rock bottom before reaching out. And I think that's um, a big thing. You know, the sooner you reach out for help, the sooner it impacts and the less work you have to do in the long term anyway. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, having somebody who there who can ex- break down everything you've been through in your life and tell you the reasons why you are the way you are gives you such an understanding of everything. And that's definitely what happened with me. I, I had an understanding of myself and why I was reaching out for that drink. It's because I was a bit of a people, people pleaser and I wanted to make everybody happy. And I felt that if I was the one making everybody laugh by tripping over the pavement or doing 10 shots or whatever it was I felt like I was keeping everybody happy and and for me that was how I chose to sort of represent myself and and actually it wasn't until I came out of my drinking days that I realized that that was very unhealthy for me and and I was putting myself at risk for the sake of everybody else's joy and now I'm much more um my boundaries are more in place and that's definitely something that's helping me on a day-to-day basis is is knowing when I need to please myself and when I need to please other people. Yeah, that sounds awesome and a great way because you've got to look after yourself. So this episode is going out just after Christmas, but just before New Year's. It's been a big year where I think lots of people have been drinking, especially because people have been stuck at home. So New Year's is usually a big part of um, celebrating with alcohol. Um, so what would you, um, tips would you have for a mum who was either thinking of not drinking so much this New Year's or maybe thinking, oh, well, maybe January comes by and I stop drinking for January or three things would you give her um, here today if she's listening to this episode? Well, first of all, I think nobody really enjoys New Year's Eve anyway because of all those pressures. <laughs> so it's like the pressure builds up, doesn't it? And so then you really kind of don't want to go out anyway. So that would probably be a first tip was like, if you don't really feel like going out, don't, don't go, go out. out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wish I'd done that for years because all it ended with was like me just having a terrible hangover and a, and people be probably laughing at what I was doing. Yeah. So yeah, maybe that could be a choice. I know that doesn't sound like much fun, but, but you know, the pressure of New Year's Eve is huge. Yeah. Um, the other thing is probably try not to follow the crowd at the detriment of your own health. Um, if you're feeling that your drinking is making you feel very, very unwell, you don't have to please others. I mean, that's what I was just saying, what I did for many, many years. You don't have to follow the crowd. You don't have to be the sheep and you can just actually say, no, I don't fancy doing that because drinking isn't really working for me at the moment. So I'm happy just to have a soda water. Thanks very much. And I think this sobriety thing is all about testing it out. Obviously New Year's Eve is a big, would be a big test, but if you can get through to the other side, through to 2021 on that night and not have a drink, I mean, that's an incredible start if you can manage that. And also just give yourself some space and time. You can sit with your feelings. I call it playing the tape forward. For me, I used to have to sit and I still do now. If somebody offers me a drink and I say no, I have to sit there for a moment and think, what would happen if I took that drink? 
and it's just total chaos which yeah. goes around in my brain so just sitting in the moment and realizing where that drink's going to take you you're going to lose yourself you're going to not remember anything you probably will do some things that you'll regret is it better to try something else try try being sober and not have to deal with any of the regret of doing some of those things yeah also that sounds like some really good tips for mums to have a think of um you know coming into new years and you know hopefully a better year than we've had this year i hope so this podcast of course is about um calm parenting so i guess i wrap up the episode by feeling and saying with you do you think stopping drinking has made you a calmer parent definitely calmer it's that contentness within me that 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 makes me a calmer mother i just feel happier and more that I have that understanding of myself, which in general on a day-to-day basis makes me feel much, much calmer. And also when you're living a life without regret, I mean, what a wonderful feeling, even just saying those words makes me feel relaxed. Like to live a life where you don't care what people think about you, you know you're not gonna do anything stupid because you're feeling so level-headed. It's a real relief. And that relief makes me much, much calmer on a day-to-day, yeah. So definitely a calmer mummy without the booze for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's almost seems like a catch 22, you know, you have the booze to be calmer after a stressful day, but then reducing the alcohol makes you calmer overall. And it sounds like you just got to make that decision for yourself, for the type of person you want to be, the type of mum you want to be, the life you want to live. Um, and then reach out for some help where you can, um, and just keep going. Your website's out there for mums who want to reach out and chat to you or? Yes, yeah, so my my website is um, drunkmummysobermummy.com. Yeah, so you're very welcome to reach out to me on there. There's a Facebook page and Instagram and all that rubbish. So yeah, <laughs> you're very welcome to reach out on there. I was just going to say, actually, it just reminded me of something. Um, I think anxiety is a massive problem for mothers and day-to-day in our modern culture. I just think that if you are questioning your drinking and you are anxious, that is definitely another another trigger for you is to, is to drink. So to drink through the anxiety. So that is never going to be the answer. And, and I just wanted to add that because I also felt massive anxiety and, and drank through it and drank because of it. And it was like this vicious circle. So, yeah, I do think if you do are suffering from anxiety, giving up drinking is, is going to be a huge benefit for you. Absolutely. I mean, we know that alcohol impacts mental health and so decreasing the alcohol will positively impact your mental health. But like you said, some good old therapy and some support and AA is out there. There's smart programs for those who don't want to completely reduce it and counsellors and therapists and psychologists. So um, yeah, reach out, I think is one of the first things that I think every mum should, um, who's listening, who might be sober curious, as you say, Um, should start do and I can say that as part of this podcast you can always email me heather at blissedoutmums.com.au and I can get you in touch with Victoria or like you said just pop over to her website contact her directly or come by me and we'll get um, some support for you so if you are struggling with your drinking and know that you're not alone because lots of mums drink um, and there are probably if you're questioning your drinking there are other mums out there who are questioning their drinking so there's nothing to be ashamed 
ashamed of. The last thing we want to do is add any more guilt onto the guilt-ridden journey of motherhood. It's just about accepting where you are and taking steps forward to be more of the type of person and the type of mum that you want to be. Okay, so I guess I will round up this episode and say thank you very much, Victoria, for joining me on this podcast. It was wonderful to hear your story and your tips about, you know, reducing their drinking. And Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. And it is the end of 2020 and the Calm Parenting Toolbox for this year. I will, of course, have some time off over New Year's and we'll be back in the second week of January when daycare goes back some child-free days again to record some episodes for you all. So um, watch out for me. And as always, please rate and subscribe to this podcast um, and any feedback, let me know. And if you ever have a topic, or you'd like to share your story on this podcast, don't hesitate to get in contact. Okay, I will say farewell and I will speak to you all next year. I love saying that at the end of the year. See you next year.